This is Valley Edition. I'm Kathleen Schock. In 2014, the state legislature passed the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, known as SIGMA, with the goal of balancing the amount of water flowing out of and into underground aquifers. How that would actually work was left up to the hundreds of local water agencies, who are now beginning to receive feedback from the state on their sustainability plans. To get an update on what to expect as Sigma continues to roll out, KVPR's Carrie Klein spoke with Lois Henry, the CEO and editor of sjvwater.org. And so in the earlier years after this law was passed, you know, the state divided itself up into these groundwater sustainability agencies or GSAs. We'll be using that acronym a lot. And then a few years ago, each GSA was required to submit a plan to the state known as a GSP, another acronym. So what are some of the examples, Lois, of um, projects that were included in some of these GSPs um, from around this area in the San Joaquin Valley? You know, how, how creative are some of the solutions in terms of balancing groundwater usage? There's only really two valves that you can turn to balance um, groundwater usage, and that is turn turn some mythical valve on that creates more water or turn the valve off for usage, which means less pumping. So these uh, GSPs, the Groundwater Sustainability Plans, are out there. These are thousand page documents um, from each area, and they list everything that you can do within the realms of those two things I just listed. Madera, Madera County has taken over what's known as the white lands in its region. And just so that to sort of acclimate people, white lands are areas that are outside of established water districts. Literally on maps, they are in white, as whereas opposed to districts are in pink or blue or yellow or green. So Madera County has taken over those areas. And the significant thing about white lands is being outside of a district, they don't get any surface water. They don't get water from Millerton Reservoir or the Delta or typically, usually even river water. These are really plant and pump areas. So they have a lot more groundwater usage and um, taking over management of those areas, it becomes very dire because there is no way to really bring in a lot more water unless you you know, start the whole infrastructure um, game where you you build canals and you build uh, recharge basins, et cetera. So Madera County is facing a really significant issue <clears throat> and they have created a, a situation where they are going to be going to pumping restrictions and it's tiered over time, it starts to increase and they're establishing rates for pumping and they're trying to establish a groundwater market. So they're pretty far along in doing some of these things. And, you know, it's, it's been, you know, a lot of hue and cry and gnashing of teeth up there in Madera County. So, mm-hmm. so you've mm-hmm. got that, then you've got say, you know, the, the Tulare Lake Basin um, area, which is Kings County. Mm-hmm. And in that basin, the GSP, they have, I think what, seven GSAs, but they put together one GSP. It gets really complicated because you can do this in multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. But in Kings County, they have seven GSAs that all had to write their own chapter, essentially. But then they put together one GSP, Groundwater Sustainability Plan. And I've written about that plan numerous times because it is fascinating to me that they listed a number of what are known as management actions. You know, and those are oh, we're going to reduce pumping or we're going to increase fees to disincentivize pumping or we're going to. Uh, bring in more water from this source. So that's what a management action is. 
management, meaning we're, this is how we're going to manage our deficit, our groundwater deficit. And in that plan, they list a number of management actions one could take if one were so inclined to take such a management action, but they didn't list like, this is what we're going to do. This is how much it's going to cost. This is how we're going to pay for it. This is the benefit we anticipate from this management action. So they really listed just sort of a, you know, a laundry list of things that, that could happen. And um, I, I, in my, the first time I read it and I wrote about it in February of 2020, when they, right after they filed it, I, I was, I, my, my first line was, I can't imagine DWR, the Department of Water Resources, accepting this. And since that time, DWR has come out with assessments of four GSPs. Two of them were considered deficient. And one of them was in the Cuyama Valley. That's the closest to my region. So I, I, I read it because my life is nothing but reading this stuff. But anyway, <laughs> I live a very boring life. And, and it was very, very clear that the deficiencies were basically like, you, hey, GSP, you, you list all of these uh, undesirable actions or you know, these different things that happen, but you don't, you don't get in, in, into any detail about how you're going to fix them. You know, we, that's what these GSPs are for. How are you going to fix this? So I, again, I just can't imagine DWR saying, Hey, sure. No problem. Tulare Lake Basin one could do these management actions. Yes, that's true. But no, they're going to want way more detail. So that's very interesting. And, and as you said that these are, these are multi-hundred page documents. Some of them are almost a thousand pages. And so there is, I mean, there is really quite a lot of detail in there, at least ostensibly for a lot of these plans. I mean, even to the level of, um, you know, they include what they consider, uh, you know, a minimum allowable, uh, you know, water threshold for how, for how deep they will allow the water table to fall before some other corrective action needs to be taken, things like that. So these are the kinds of details that are in these plans. Yes, they get very detailed. But if you read those GSPs, you'll also notice that there's a lot of repetition. Um, and I mean, to a certain extent, they're, they're adhering to what the government has required them to do. You know, it's sort of, sort of like the old, uh, how to write a paper. You're going to, you're going to tell people what you're going to tell them, then you're going to tell them, and then you're going to tell them what you told them. So it's a little bit of that, which makes it really frustrating to get through them. Yes, indeed. Um, which is also part of the reason that a lot of folks feel a little bit disenfranchised, because if they want to get involved in the process, there is just so much information and so many words to wade through um, to sort of get involved and to have a stake in this. And so, as you said, the Department of Water Resources um, is getting back and starting to issue feedback. So that's the step that they're on now, correct? That now the state is is coming back with feedback to approve or deny or to add, add comments on these plans, right? Like, what should these GSAs be expecting now when the state comes back with feedback? Yeah. Um, okay. So that that first round of assessments that the DWR did was back in June, and it caused a huge ripple. You know, uh, because that's the first time that anybody saw what the state was really going to be demanding of these GSPs, and you know how they were going to be receiving what they what the GSAs had written up. Because that is where the rubber meets the road. That's where they have to jump back in and, and try and fix deficiencies. Because even though Sigma sounded really draconian when it first kind of came out, like you're going to write these GSPs. And if these GSPs are found to be deficient, then the state's going to come in and basically, you know, take the handle of your pump away from you. I mean, that's that's really kind of the way it was kind of set up. Really what's happening is DWR is going through and giving these assessments and giving 
an example of what the cure could be. And then the GSA, the Groundwater Sustainability Agency, can then, if it so chooses, redo its work and say, okay, here, here we go. Here's what we are going to submit to say how we're going to cure what, what deficiencies you found. So it's going to be more of a give and take thing before it becomes, um, you know, the hammer coming down. So these GSAs had to submit their plans, these GSPs, um, a couple years ago now at this point. What have they been up to in the meantime? I mean, they, they didn't have to wait and sit idly until the state came back with plans, right? They were allowed to actually start implementing some of the projects that they that they listed in these plans? Yes, they were actually encouraged to start implementing um, projects to start, you know, um, addressing groundwater overdraft. And some of them have, like Madera County, you know, they are moving forward with their plans um, quite, you know, methodically and fairly quickly in the world of, of GSAs. In the meantime, however, there's been this little thing called a drought. And so <laughs> there's been this, you know, just sort of, you know, everybody's all hands on deck to try and survive this last um, two years where it's gotten to be just so dry and try as they might, there's no extra water to be putting onto the ground to try and um, recharge uh, aquifers. And so you're already seeing places hit their minimum thresholds. You know, minimum threshold is sort of like, just think of it as the red line below which we shall not go because if we go below this line, we're going to see really bad things happen, like domestic wells starting to go dry, or you know, well casings being crushed, or land sinking. You know, um, and so we've already started to hit minimum thresholds in numerous places in the valley. Tulare Irrigation District, I believe, had some minimum thresholds near Teveston, which we you reported on it. Numerous people reported on it. Teveston went dry earlier this year in the summertime, and we've all we've seen numerous wells going dry up in the Madera area and, you know, increase in pollutants because once the water groundwater drops, you have an increase in concentration of pollutants. So we're, we're seeing these problems and it's not because people are ignoring Sigma, it's because we are caught up in this, you know, massive and epically dry drought. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so You've already mentioned a lot of GSAs um, to kind of look out for. You've mentioned a lot of contentious issues. I mean, there's recharge basins. There are areas that don't have any surface water at all to be able to do any creative projects with these white areas. Um, there are, you know, water markets that could be popping up in certain areas. So as the state comes back with its feedback for these GSPs, also as this drought continues, I mean, what are some of the areas that you're going to be keeping an eye on or that you think are important to keep an eye on um, that will kind of encapsulate uh, kind of where, where the future is with, with Sigma and where the interesting things are, will be happening? Well, I think water markets are definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, so far, most of the places that I've seen have talked about doing water markets within their own GSA so that their farmers can trade around within their own GSA. And, you know, I'll give you my credits this year and, you know, I won't pump and I'll, you'll pay me some amount of money and, you know, we'll both survive whatever dry year. And, and, and it is really, most of them are based on dry year um, scenarios, um, especially in like Rosedale Rio Bravo, which was the first one to create an accounting, um, a water accounting platform that all of its growers could, 
access and then with the idea that that would then be used as a potential trading platform if they ever hit minimum thresholds and dry years, mm-hmm. which we're already in. So, mm-hmm. so those things are good. I have seen other GSAs where the growers within those GSAs have been asking about water marketing outside the GSA. And that potentially could be a problem that I think that a lot of domestic well owners would be interested in because they don't have the capacity to move a lot of their um, groundwater. They don't want to move their groundwater. They want to use their groundwater for domestic uses and for growth at the city level. So those markets are going to be really interesting to see, like, how is that going to be fleshed out and, and what are the rules of Sigma going to be. And, and that gets into even beyond the GSAs because some counties, numerous counties have rules that you cannot move ground native groundwater beyond the county borders. So those things are going to be very interesting to see. And we in, at SJV Water, we even did a story here recently that a number of rural areas that need housing, they're already in a housing crunch, the groundwater and lack of of water infrastructure is stymieing the uh, interest of any housing developers to come in. I didn't touch on the issue of small farmers. You're starting to see small farmers potentially basically not priced out, but watered out, I guess, groundwatered out of of the mix. Because if you're a big farmer, you know, 20,000 acres, 10,000 acres, whatever, you can probably follow some percentage of your land and then use that groundwater associated with that land to keep your other crops going and thriving. But if you're a truly small farmer, you don't have the land to be able to do that. Um, And so I've been talking to a lot of small farmers, especially in the Kings County area that are really concerned about the future. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, another issue with Sigma, too, is the the administrative like costs of putting together all this paperwork or being involved in your GSA is also those are some barriers to small farmers getting involved and being able to, you know, claim their stake in the process as well. Yeah. Small farmers don't have water departments like (laughs) like larger corporate farmers have full departments where someone can, you know, be at every meeting and, and have something to say. And small farmers, a lot of them don't even know what's happening in their area. So I, I think that's a I think that's a real detriment that I wish the state would be able to do something about. I'm not, you know, smart enough to know what that is, but I'd like to see the small farmers survive and thrive. And so Sigma and this valley are going to be tied at the hip and things are going to be changing dramatically, I think, in the next 10 years. Absolutely. Very interesting. Lots of things afoot. Lots of things to keep an eye out for. So this is Lois Henry, the CEO and editor of sjvwater.org. Lois, thanks so much for talking with me. All right. Well, thanks, Carrie, for checking in.